You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Well, it is so good to be with you guys in Durant, Oklahoma. And uh, I'm excited for what God has to say to us this morning. Again, um, as you can tell, it's very obvious I married far outside of my league. And God is very good. And uh, so uh, I'm married to uh, my bride, uh, Cheyenne. We're going on 15 years this year. And uh, very blessed. I've also got my son Landon with me. And Landon is 13, and he got his mom's looks, which uh, he needs to be thankful for. He needs to thank God every day for that, <laughs> that he didn't get his dad's looks. And uh, also, we have friends who drove all the way out from Lawton, Oklahoma, uh, to be here with us this morning. Tony and Kara, uh, they are definitely uh, family. Family, you've got to have family. It's great to have family, but you can't pick your family. You inherit your family, but you can pick your family. So it's important that you uh, pick well with your family. And so they are family. They're, they're here with us this morning. And a little bit about our story and our background. We went to Christ for the Nations, and that's where we met uh, pastors John and Ann and uh, just fell in love with them. And they have been, over the years, just parents to us and an incredible blessing. And, and um, in the last five years, God called us to Lawton, Oklahoma, of all places. Well, not all of Oklahoma is created equally. And... Uh, Lawton kind of has a reputation that precedes itself a little bit. It's a military town and can be rough in parts, and yet God called us there. And we walked into a church uh, that had some sweet, incredible people. There was only about a hundred of them, and uh, there was what I call a lot of wisdom. Wisdom is, um, you know, the Bible talks about white hair being the hair color of wisdom. So there was a ton of wisdom, but there were three couples under 40. You, need to, you might need to look at your neighbor and say, man, you are wise. And uh, we walked into a church that had three couples under 40. There was no uh, uh, children's ministry per se. If one family didn't show up to the church, there would, would be no children's ministry. And, and so we walked in and we knew that God had called us there. And we had vision, and yet we knew that uh, there was a lot of work to be done. So we pulled the bootstraps up, and we got busy, and we got dirty, and we got after it. And we saw this uh, church grow from 100 a, a people uh, filled with wisdom uh, to a church where there were uh, people of all ages, all demographics, all colors. And um, we, we left the church at incredible uh, condition. Uh, we resigned our position uh, on the 21st of August, and the church was thriving at over 500 people. Um, it had been completely renovated, and God is, had been incredibly faithful. And so, yes, as uh, Pastor Ann said, we are in transition and, and uh, looking for where God is going to place us next. So if you think about us, uh, be in prayer with us as God gets us to the right place in the right time. Now, uh, like I said, we met uh, Pastor John and Ann years ago, and uh, Pastor John was the one who actually married us. And uh, not only, oh, it was, it was an incredible wedding, and not only did, uh, did he marry us and they did the uh, premarital counseling with us, 
but there was uh, there were so many details going on. It was the end of the semester in Bible college, and we just had so much going on. Well, we really forgot to line up somebody to take us to the hotel that evening. And so we, we looked at them and we asked, would you guys mind taking us to the hotel? We're in downtown Fort Worth, and the hotel was in downtown Dallas. And, and, and Pastor John got real quiet. We thought we had offended him. Well, he was, he was so tickled that he was holding back tears and trying to hold it together. So uh, these are more than friends. These are truly our family this morning. And God has given the River Church the best of the best as far as pastors go. You guys are blessed beyond belief. Uh, not only is Pastor John an incredible orator, an incredible speaker, uh, but Pastor Ann, nobody loves people better than Pastor Ann does. It doesn't matter who you are or what your background is. Uh, she is a lover of people. And so uh, one of the ways we, we uh, knew Pastor John in, at Christ for the Nations was he was over uh, the homiletics class. And homiletics is a fancy way of saying teaching preachers how to preach. And so he was my preaching teacher, if you will, and uh, for both uh, Cheyenne and I. And so it, it, I'm so glad, I'm sad, but I'm glad that he's not here this morning. Because to, to have a Jedi master on the front row when you're trying to preach, that's a little intimidating. It'd be like Yoda being right up there. And, and, and so I'm kind of glad that, that he's in Dallas. It takes the pressure off of a little bit. But I'm going to do it the way he taught me to the best of my ability. And we're going to hope that the Holy Spirit makes up the difference for my humanity. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9. And let me give you some context of this passage that we're getting ready to read. I've only got two verses for you this morning. So I hope that God's got a lot in two verses. And in this uh, uh, passage that we're getting ready to read in First Chronicles chapter 9, there's what's called the genealogy. In fact, there's not just a little bit of a genealogy. There's nine chapters of genealogy. And if you know what genealogy is, it's they use the word begot. So in other words, they tell who the daddy was. And so so-and-so begot so-and-so. And basically they describe the family tree. If we were to bring it into modern day vernacular, um, it'd be like the, uh, the equivalent of going to gene uh, it would be the equivalent of going to ancestry.com. That's what a genealogy is. And so you, you find out where people came from. So there's this endless list, nine chapters of genealogies. Nine chapters of this person came from this person, and this was grandpappy, and, and, and so on and so forth. All the way through, nine chapters worth. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit decides to uh, take a detour, a rabbit trail, if you will, and, and stops and shines the light on these two verses in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9. So that's what we're going to read this morning, just two verses. 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez. You might be thinking, that's not too bad of a name. I heard there's uh, as many as five uh, pregnant mamas here in this church. Jabez sounds like a pretty good name, right? Like, that could work. That's trendy. You know, let's go with that. Well, here's what it says. Uh, the meaning of Jabez is, because I bore him in pain. That's what Jabez means. I bore him in pain. I don't know if he was a big baby or what, but she bore him in pain. And Jabez called 
on the God of Israel, verse 10, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I, I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. How would you like it if God granted you what you requested? So let's investigate this story because I believe that there's a lot more here than uh, what is on the surface. I, want, I think that God wants us to go a little bit farther and a little bit deeper and wants to teach us a couple things. First of all, we see that Jabez is honorable. He is God-fearing and God-following. He is an honorable man. In fact, he's a, a head and shoulders above the rest of his family. And his mom names him Jabez because she had a hard childbirth. I bore him in pain. In other words, yeah, I'm going to remember this one because of what he put me through and what he caused for me. And then in verse 10, it records a prayer that Jabez prays. And this is where I want to extract the composition of this message. Let's analyze this prayer because I believe that Jabez's prayer is not one prayer. But I believe that we're going to find five prayers in one this morning. So let's go ahead and break these down. And just like Pastor John taught me all those years ago, uh, you need to have points to your message. So I'm going to give you five points to your message. And the reason that I'm going to give you five points is if you know how many there are, you'll know how fast you can get to Long John Silver's. So uh, I'm doing you a favor by just giving you five. I could have given you 15, but uh, God is full of grace. So we've just got five this morning. So the first point is this. Number one, number one is pray big prayers. Pray big prayers. How many of you would agree with that point that we are supposed to pray big prayers? So uh, Jabez asks for a whopper. You ever caught a whopper before? Some of you always talk about how big the fish you catch are, and yet there's no pictures to verify the facts. But uh, Jabez here prays a whopper of a prayer, a really large, supersized prayer. And he asks God, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. And sometimes we lose things in translation. You've got to remember the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek. And sometimes when it's translated into English, we lose the power of what's being said. So I want to break it down just a little bit for you because Jabez prays this incredibly big prayer and he says, God, bless me indeed. But what he's really saying is he's not saying bless me indeed. But when you look in the original language, the same word is used twice. He's saying, bless me and bless me. He's saying, bless me twice. And it almost sounds like that's a pretty big prayer because he's asking for a double blessing. And yet what we find in the Bible is the double blessing is not that uncommon. When the great prophet Elijah is getting ready to be taken up to heaven, his protege, Elisha, says to him that he goes, what do you want from me? You've served me faithfully. You've been a good protege. Uh, You've been faithful. What can I give you before I go? And he says, I want a double portion. I want double blessing on my life. And he goes, whoa, that's a big thing to ask. Now, I can't grant that for you, but God has the ability to do so. And guess what? The double blessing 
came Elisha's way. He did double the miracles that Elijah did. In Deuteronomy chapter 111, Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. And here's what he says. He says that the God of Israel would bless you a thousand times and multiply you a thousand times more. So a blessing of multiplication is absolutely biblical. In fact, the theologian Andrew Murray said this, and I love this quote. He said, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, which that'll do it, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Oh, that is so good. Ex expect unexpected things. And then he goes into Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 and says, above all that we can ask or think. So we are, should be expected to believe for more, to ask for big. So don't limit God. Big prayers do not offend God. However, the opposite is true. Small prayers, safe prayers, token prayers, religious prayers do not require much faith. Because if you can do it in your own ability, God's help is not needed. And what God wants is for us to cry out to him, knowing he is the only way that this is going to happen and manifest in our lives. So we need to pray in a way that requires God's intervention in our lives and in our circumstances. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse three, he says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Whoa, Jesus went unconditional. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Have you ever thought about this before? That when God answers your prayers, it actually glorifies the Father? When God comes through in your circumstances, when he heals your body, when he blesses your finances, when he restores your marriage, when he makes the arthritis go away, it's not just so you can enjoy the benefit, but it's so that he can be glorified in that he is who he said that he was. So answered prayer glorifies God. There's an incredible story about answered prayer that I love. Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, had a good friend. In fact, his friend was really his assistant, his associate pastor, if you will. You know, you can't do ministry alone and you can't do life alone. You need people in your life that will help you and bless you and encourage you and strengthen you. And Martin Luther had that by a man named Frederick Myconis. And in the year 1540, Myconis became sick and was expected to die shortly. On his deathbed, he wrote a farewell message to Luther. And when Luther received the message, he immediately wrote a message back in reply. And here's what his letter to Myconis said. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. Amen. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done because I seek only 
to glorify the name of God. Well, I know some of you hear that prayer of Martin Luther and you think, dude was arrogant. Who does he think he was praying in such a way? That was bold and brash and bodacious. Who does he think he was? Well, the fact is that Myconus, who had already lost the ability to speak at that time because he was on his deathbed, when Luther's reply came to him, he soon recovered from his illness. And you know what? He lived for six more years. And when he finally died, it was two months after Luther had gone to glory. Luther's prayer came to pass. God can answer our big, bold prayers. So maybe you need to adjust your prayer life to prayers that are bigger. Number two is pray God expands your capacity. God wants to expand us, to stretch us, to grow us. God wants to challenge us. Sometimes we get comfortable in our Christianity. We get comfortable in our prayer life. We get comfortable in the way and the methods that we do things. And what God wants to do is he wants to expand us. Look at what Jabez prays. He says, enlarge my territory. Here's what enlargement literally means by definition. To become great, to become many, to become numerous, to multiply, to grow great, to make large, to increase, and to increase greatly. See, that's what Jabez was praying. He was praying to expand. He was wanting to expand. He was wanting to grow. He was wanting to become more. So it's okay to pray for growth. It's okay to pray for expansion and expansion of our capacity that God would do more with you and more through you. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, unless you try to do something beyond what you've already mastered, you will never grow. Think about that for a moment. Unless you do something you've never done before, you've plateaued in your life. And God wants to give you a vision that is beyond the status quo, beyond just enough, beyond minimum wage, beyond entry level. God wants to expand your thinking and expand your horizons into more. Ask God to expand your capacity. Just like Jabez said, expand my territory. Stretch me, God. Take me into something bigger and bolder. God wants to expand our capacity to take you where you haven't been. But you know what you've got to do is you've got to learn to see in the spirit. What do you mean by that? That's, that sounds pretty heady. That sounds pretty spiritual. What do you mean by that? In other words, you've got to see it in here before it ever manifests out here. Now, you don't have to see it with your physical eyes, but God can open the eyes, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, of our spirit. He can open the eyes of our understanding and give us knowledge in areas that we haven't had before. So you need to ask God to expand you. You need to see yourself as sickness-free. You need to see yourself as debt-free. You need to see your marriage as strife-free. You need to see yourself as a business owner and not just an employee. You need to see with these eyes, your spiritual eyes, and not just your physical eyes, because your physical eyes will lie to you. Your physical eyes will look at the circumstance instead of looking at the God who is far above the circumstance. 
So you need to see with your spiritual eyes because until you can see it, you'll never be it. You know, the nation of Spain in its history, it has a very proud history. And just like America, you know, they had a national motto. And their national motto was ne plus ultra, ne plus ultra. Well, of course, that was Latin and it meant nothing more beyond, nothing more beyond. And they were so proud of this. They printed it on their currency and they were very proud that they were the end of the known earth. They thought that there was nothing beyond them and they were, they were, it was part of their national heritage, kind of like saying, we're the best for last. And that was their attitude. It was a great uh, source of national pride until one day an Italian sailor came and boarded a ship <laughs> called the Santa Maria and discovered that their national motto wasn't exactly accurate because there was more beyond. And so now they're in a juxtaposed uh, condition because what do you do? You said that there's no more beyond and yet this Italian sailor just proved that there's actually more beyond. So what they did is they dropped the nay and they just made it plus ultra. In other words, they said there is actually more out there. There is more beyond. And you know what we need to do in our lives sometimes? We need to drop the nays from our life. We need to drop the nose from our life. And we need to believe that God has more beyond if we're willing to go out into the ocean of faith and, and sail out into the abyss knowing that if God brought us there, he's going to supply for us there. So drop the nose in your life, would you? Amen. Number three, pray for God's presence pray for God's presence. Here's, here's what Jabez says. He says that your hand would be with me. If God's hand is with you, his presence is with you. Because God just doesn't have a hand. He's got a body. We're made in his image, right? So it's not just his hand. If his hand is near us, all of who he is, is near us. So what he was saying is, God, I want your presence. I want you to be nearby. This is why it's so important to have God's presence, because where God's presence is, the essence of who God is, is with us. And so what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 6, there's this really interesting story. And the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, which, of course, represented the presence of Almighty God. And as they're taking the presence of God back to Jerusalem, the holy city where it belongs, a guy touches it, a guy dies because he touches it, because it represented something that was holy, and sin cannot touch what's holy. So the good news is, is Jesus did the work for us and made us righteous, not because of our works, because of our works are like filthy rags, but because of his grace that is unmerited that we couldn't earn and we don't deserve, but he gave it to us anyways. Anyways, that's another message for another day. But because sin can't come in contact with the holy God, this guy falls over dead. David's frustrated, but he kind of freaks out a little bit. So they're by this house of this guy named Obed-Edom. Okay, we said Jabez was a kind of a cool 
catchy name for a child. Obed-Edom, I, I think they might, you know, that you might as well name your boy Sue, you know, because that would be a, an, an interesting name, right? So let's not go with Obed-Edom. But, but here's Obed-Edom's house and his property is near where all this goes down. So David says, okay, we're just going to store it, you know, in his shed at his house. So they take the Ark of the Covenant. They, they leave it with Obed-Edom for a couple months. Well, word gets back and all of a sudden Obed-Edom is getting blessed, like crazy blessed, ridiculous blessed. Here's what's interesting. Obed-Edom is a Gittite. That means he's an inhabitant of Gath. Gath was where the Philistines were at, the enemies of Israel. He wasn't even an Israelite, but the scripture says the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. What does that mean? Because of the presence of God, because God was near and where God is, his goodness is. That's why we need God's presence in our lives and in our houses and in our marriages, because where his presence is, his blessing and his goodness is. His hand is symbolic of his resources. See, prayer reveals the hidden resources that are already at your disposal. Oh, come on up. Mind blown. Prayer reveals the hidden resources that are already at your disposal. God has already provided everything that you need through Jesus' one act on the cross. The provision is there. Now we have to walk in and receive what God has already supplied for us. Come on, River. That is good stuff this morning. Now, there is a, there is a balance to prayer. And I love this quote, and I think it came from St. Augustine, but he said, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. In other words, do your due diligence. Give God something to work with. God says he'll, work, he'll bless the work of our hands. What are you putting your hands to and applying your hands to so that God can bless what you're applying? Point number four, pray for protection. Pray for protection. Here's what he says that you would keep me from evil. This is the prayer that Jabez prays, that you would keep me, God, from evil. This is so similar to what Jesus says with the model prayer in the New Testament. He says, pray like this, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you see that we're seeing the same thing in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Because this is a pattern of prayer in the Old Testament. And Jesus confirms it by saying essentially the same thing in the New Testament. Deliver us from, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, it's biblical to pray for protection. One of the best scriptures that you can pray over your kids, over your grandkids, at your job, is Psalm 91. A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not touch me. You know, being a pastor in Lawton, 50% of our congregation was active duty military. So we had, I, I, you know, there, there's a lot of cool churches out there and they get to pastor a lot of different types of people, but I got to pastor warriors, both male and female warriors. And there were times that they would get ready for a deployment and there were times literally we would call them up and I'd say, could we have some other soldiers join them? And they would just surround around them. And what would we do? We would pray Psalm 91 over them. You know, there was a, there was a young man, he graduated from high school and immediately enlisted in the army. 
from our church. And as he was deployed over in Afghanistan, um, they were getting ready. You know, he was, he was infantry, so he's boots on the ground. Pretty dangerous job uh, over there, especially three years ago. He's boots on the ground, and so, so they're going out in a Humvee. Well, about a week before they go out for a specific mission, for some unknown reason, they decided to switch uh, Humvees on them. And they said, no, take this Humvee instead. Well, they went out and they ran over an IED, which exploded underneath their Humvee. Many times when these IEDs explode, they'll literally catch the vehicle on fire from the inside and burn it out. Well, it just so happened that the Humvee that they switched them to had a metal barrier and protection that was a new technology that they had put on the bottom of that. So when, the, so when it went off, yes, that IED exploded, but it protected the crew that was on the inside of the Humvee. God protects his people, and it's okay to pray for protection for your family, and for your life. Point number five, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. It's a long point, but we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. Long John Silvers, here we come. Pray for others. Pray for others. Here's what I want you to see. Here's Jabez. His name liter literally means, I will cause pain. Imagine growing up with a name that means you're going to cause pain. See, this was a prayer of breaking a generational curse. This was a prayer for others. Why? He wasn't just praying for himself. He was praying for others because he said, I don't want to cause people pain any longer. I don't want to hurt anybody else. I've been known for hurting people. It's in my name. It's in my reputation. But that ends now. I'm going to pray that that stops with me and it's never going to touch my children, no longer am I going to cause others pain. See, this was a prayer that was other people minded. See, growing up, could you imagine every time his name is said, hey, pain causer, do your homework. <laughs> I stubbed my toe. Oh, Jabez, dad, Jabez. A pain causer, right? Some of you are just now getting that. It was, catch it, bring it in. Pain causer. His name is associated with pain, but he wasn't going to let his past define him any longer. What do you have in the skeletons of the closet of your soul that's linked to you? A reputation, a rap sheet, a resume, if you will, that's linked to you, that's negative, that says this is who I used to be and this is what I used to do. Who you used to be is not who you have to be. And he wasn't going to let his past define him. So nor should you in your life. See, he prayed that God would change his identity. But there's something happen that happens when God changes your identity. When God changes your identity, he ends up changing your destiny. We, we see this in Jacob's life because Jacob was a liar and he was a supplanter and, and, and he was known as somebody who cheated his brother Esau. But what God says is he says, I'm going to change your name to Israel, which means prince with God. So you're not going to be a liar any longer. You're not going to be a supplanter any longer, but I'm going to change your name and I'm going to make you a prince with God. Guess what? His identity changed. Because now it's not Jacob the liar anymore. It's Jacob the prince with God.
And notice it, it's not the, the 12 tribes of Abraham that's listed. Right. It's the 12 tribes of Israel that's listed. So when God changes our name, he changes our destiny. And there's a spiritual law that happens when we pray for other people. Sometimes we can get so focused for pre on praying for ourselves. Well, I've got this problem. God, I need help. It's not a bad thing. But there's a spiritual principle that happens when we begin to pray for other people. We see this in Job chapter 42 and verse 10. Anybody ever read Job before? Kind of a depressing book, right? It's, uh, it's kind of like, man, you know, God, keep me from being like Job. I want a job, but I don't want a Job, you know? And uh, these are the jokes, folks. And so... Job chapter 42 and verse 10, and Job has been through the ringer. And finally, he gets to this point in, in, in Job chapter 42, where he begins to change his approach. He's processed, he's talked to God, he's gotten counsel from his friends, he's gotten counsel from his wife, he's wallowed in his own self-righteousness. And he gets to this point in Job chapter 42 and verse 10, and it says, and the Lord restored Job's losses. He restored his captivity. That's good news. 42 chapters of things not going very well. <laughs> and here we go. Things are beginning to change. It says, when he prayed for his friends. Time out. Did you catch that? Everything changed when he prayed for somebody else. He got his eyes and his focus off of himself. He stopped praying for himself and he started praying for somebody else. And when he sowed it into somebody else, God says, now's the time. Now you're ready. And it says, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And that is incredible because here's Job, a man who was incredibly blessed incredibly prosperous, a God-fearing man, a God-worshiping man. And when he began to pray for others, God says, you know what? I'm going to give it all back to you, but I'm going to give it back to you in double. And God blessed him with double what he had before. One of the biggest struggles people have that I've seen is knowing whether or not God heard them. Have you ever prayed and thought, did that like raise above the ceiling? Like, you know, did that get 20 feet in the air? Or, you know, God, did you hear that? Did you catch that? And I've met many people who have struggled with that. In fact, one of the dynamics that we saw at our church in Lawton is we led so many people to the Lord. We, we had 180 baptisms in four years and, and we had all these new believers and they were learning these principles about prayer. And, you know, they, they, they wondered things like, did God really hear that? Or was that eloquent enough for him to hear that? I want to settle this for somebody this morning, somebody in here that doubts whether God is hearing them or not. First John chapter five and verse 14 says this. Now, this is the confidence the confidence that we, not just the spiritual ones, not just the apostles, not just the pastors, we, all of us, have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, well, what's his will? I don't know if I prayed according to his will. Pick up the book. 
The Bible is his will. His word is his will. According to his will, he hears us. See, God granted Jabez what he requested. God heard Jabez's prayer. And if God can hear Jabez's prayer, I guarantee you that we have a confidence that God can hear our prayers as well. God granted him what he requested. Now, it didn't say how long it took from when he prayed to when God answered. So don't get discouraged if you've been waiting a little while. What we know is that God answered the prayer that he requested that God showed up in his perfect timing. Hebrews says, and Pastor Ann read it this morning, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. We like the faith part, but sometimes we struggle with the patience part, which by the way, like we're trying to teach our six-year-old daughter, patience is a fruit of the spirit. And so patience is part of the essence of who God is. And so it's not just having faith when we pray, but it's having the perseverance of patience when we pray, knowing that just because I don't see it today doesn't mean that it's not coming tomorrow. That God has good things in store for us in our future. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. You know what? One of the definitions that I like for patience is, is patience is waiting with a good attitude. <laughs> it's not just waiting, but it's waiting with a good attitude. We need to learn to wait on God with a good attitude. See, because here's what circumstances in our lives will do. Struggling in our marriage, struggling in our finances, struggling in our mind and our thought life, struggling in our health. Those things can wear us down over time. And what I need you to see is that circumstances will either drive you crazy or they will drive you to your knees before God. So you, you get to decide. You're going to let this problem drive you crazy or drive you closer to God. So let's wrap this thing up. Because some of you might have read Jabez's prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10 and thought, man, that was, that's pretty bold. I don't know if I could talk to God that way. The Bible says that because of Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find help and receive grace in our time of need. Do you see the pattern in both the Old and the New Testament? How do we know that it was okay for Jabez to pray such a bold prayer? I want you to realize that the proof is in the pudding. God answered all five of Jabez's prayers. And you know what? I want you to know that if God will do it for Jabez, the Bible says that God has no respect for persons. So if God will do it for Jabez, this found its way into a book of genealogies because God wants you to know this morning in Durant, Oklahoma, that he can do it for you Amen. too. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise this morning? Can we just thank him? Let me pray over you. And I'm going to go ahead and turn this over. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. In fact, let's take a time out. Let's do this first. With, with heads bowed, with eyes closed, nobody looking, nobody judging. But if this was the word that you needed this morning, because you were struggling with your prayers, because you prayed and you haven't seen the results that you thought you should or that you desired, so you've lost some hope. 
you've lost some faith. If that's you this morning, as an act of faith, what I want you to do is I want you to just go ahead and stand to your feet so that when I pray, I know who I'm praying for specifically. Don't wait for your neighbor to do it. Don't worry about what others will think. But if God is speaking to you about this situation, then I want you to go ahead and stand. Quite a few standing this morning. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, that name that is not only so beautiful, the name of Jesus, but that name that is also so powerful, the name of Jesus. It's in that name that we come boldly to your throne of grace this morning. And God, we're asking for help. We need your grace and we need your mercy in our lives. And so God, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way, not in a trickle, not in a little bit, but God, I pray that you would show up in a flood, in a deluge, God, in a mighty rushing river, Lord God, in the lives of these people. God, I pray that if they're standing by faith and they're they're, they're standing on your word and they're trusting you and they're believing you, God, they're, they're doing what your word instructs, God. Father, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the strength and resolve to continue to be patient. But God, I also pray that you would begin to orchestrate from heaven because you are the great orchestrator and that you would show up in ways that they could not imagine. Father, you have that ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according not to our ability, not according to our power, but according to the power of the Holy Spirit that is living and at work within us, God. Show up when they pray, Lord God. Bring it to fruition. Manifest in their lives, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody in this church said in agreement, amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise this morning, church.